probably not up until even recently that I feel that, you know, I've really kind of stepped into my real true self. Hello and welcome to Teach Me in 20. I'm Karis Ryan and this is a podcast where I get to chat with a new guest each week and learn from their experience. And this week I'm chatting with Melanie Bernicle. Melanie just came off winning at the Stevie Awards, Entrepreneur of the Year and also Podcast of the Year. Massive congrats to Mel. But her journey hasn't been without its challenges. In her 20s, she overcame depression, survived a severe car accident and she was also on the brink of bankruptcy. Now Mel shares with us today how she turned it all around and how she's helping other businesses with her 7C strategy as well as the Makeup Artist Guild of the Asia Pacific. If you liked the episode, make sure you show it some love, give it a subscribe or leave a comment or you can rate and review it on your favourite podcast platform. Let's get to our chat with Melanie. Melanie Bernicke, it's great to have you on. Thank you so much. (laughs) It's very exciting. Tell us about Melanie in her 20s because that is quite a journey you've been through. Me in my 20s. So late late teens, I started having anxiety attacks. Um, I was kind of working in jobs, not doing, not being me, you know, sort of conforming to other people's ideal of what you should be as a woman, what you should be in a career, what's stable, you know, what you should be doing. I was also in a relationship where it was my first ever boyfriend. I didn't realize you could not be in one, you know, and (laughs) even that within itself was just, yeah, following patterns and other behaviors that weren't necessarily my own, but I hadn't figured all of that out. And so that wasn't necessarily, you know, again, everything's for learning, but it definitely um, wasn't the best relationship I've ever been in, (laughs) but they all teach you something at some point. But um, yeah, so I started having quite a lot of anxiety, Um, and started having really bad panic attacks where I actually would lay on the floor and think that the whole house was caving in on me and I couldn't breathe. And I would have them so bad that when I would look up, I'd lose all my vision. It would just completely go black. So the amount of times I went to emergency, I'm having a brain aneurysm, I'm dying because I actually thought, you know, if you're suffocating and you're losing your vision, that something was about to explode in my head. Um, little did I know it was just, you know, a lot of built up stuff that, you know, needed to get worked through. Um, yeah. And then you start to think you're going a little bit crazy. Every like being now 43, what everything's been asking of me since I was probably about 18 is to stop and look in and do that work to be able to move forward. Um, and it's probably not up until even recently that I feel that, you know, I've really kind of stepped into my real true self and I think everything from the car crashes you know to divorce to being nearly on the brink of bankruptcy to all the all the crap that's ever happened it's all been a blessing not that I saw it that way the whole way through at all um, because there was moments when you're depressed that sometimes you just think that you actually don't want to be here because it's really hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel and I just you know I remember there's been a there was a couple of times back in those early days where I felt so misunderstood, not just by other people, but by myself as well. I think there's part of me that knew I was destined to be great at something. And, you know, other people, you know, around you, other, you know, different times in your life, you kind of are so 
oh, what's the word? Like, um, you know, you're wanting to be liked so much by other people. You want to feel understood. You want to feel that you're a part of something. And when you kind of need to be in your own lane and you're not feeling that from everyone, it just kind of makes you, it makes it feel a little bit even more insular. Yeah. But getting to this age and still being here and, you know, it's kind of like quite happy to be in my own lane and not judge other people, not judge myself. Just there's a lot more acceptance around who I am now. And that in itself is like the greatest gift. Isn't that what we're here for? <laughs> Ultimately, I yeah, think. Exactly. I was going to say as well, I mean, what did you learn about yourself during that whole time? And how did you get out of that? I think each, I'm trying to find the word to call them. I wouldn't call them disaster <laughs> at the time I did. <laughs> Learning curves. <laughs> Very much so. Um, everything that sort of gets presented towards you is getting you to ask a question of yourself. And I think the more you learn, the more you grow. And I remember after my car accident, I think before my car accident, I'd finished, you know, three and a half years with a psychiatrist to kind of teach me the tools of when I was going into that downward spiral of you know, what was causing that, what beliefs were mine, what weren't mine, how to sort of separate those and then be able to bring yourself back to a place of calm, you know, and these are all tools which have served me so well. I've never been in that same darkness as I was going through the beginning part of my depression. Um, I did think after being a month in therapy, I'm like, cool, I'm good. I've got this. Can I go now? And the guy looked at me and he looked at me and he said, no, we haven't even scratched the surface. And I think you were pretty much hung over for the whole few times you were here. And I was like, well, yeah, it was $1 shot nights at the local pub. So, you know, anything to distract yourself <laughs> the day before. And, you know, someone had to call you on it and he did. And I was like, oh, wow, okay, this is going to be a bit of a journey. Um, but what they teach you is to work through your stuff. And, you know, at first it's releasing a lot and it's getting rid of all this stuff. And it's not to say that sometimes those beliefs don't, you know, just make a little appearance on a shoulder like, <laughs> are you really good enough? Are you really going to be able to get there? And, you know, you're like, well, actually I have. I've achieved all of this and I, you know, I'm still on my way. Thanks for making an appearance to, you know, protect me. Um, but I don't need it. So I'm going to keep moving forward on my journey. And so you can have this conversation with yourself. And I had to do that for a really long time, you know, just keep working through different things that would come up, but you never, well, for me personally, I've never gone back to the depths of that darkness from the beginning. I find I, what I found for me is, I really can feel great happiness knowing what <laughs> the really darkest, shittiest times can feel like. And so there's this nice way of finding the balance in the middle and also coming out the other end. But to say it was easy, God, no. Like I cried a lot, you know, and then I was, I think it was probably maybe six months after I'd finished all my therapy, which was three and a half years. And probably about six months later is when I had my car crash. And I literally, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, but I literally went, fuck you world. <laughs> like, so come on. You know, um, and when something's no fault of your own, it's really frustrating. And the, the level of pain that you're in, 
um, you know, and, you know, to look at me, I looked fine because it was a lot of nerve damage and things going on. And so people would look at you and go, there's nothing wrong with you. And I felt like, is this the panic attacks happening all over again, but in a different way? I'm like, come on. So for three and a half years in therapy, I'm like, wow, that's the longest something's ever taken me. Like, I want, <laughs> I want things done. And I like, you know, quick results. Um, I like to have those little wins and to get a three and a half year win. I was like, oh, and then to feel like someone's just knocked you off your perch. It's like, am I not meant to be happy? What's going on here? And then you know, a lot of the doctors heavily medicate you. And I was heavily medicated for three months. Um, and then I just found I couldn't converse. I couldn't hold conversations. I could hear what people were saying and I couldn't spit stuff out. So I just threw them in the bin. And then they found me convulsing on the floor and back to the hospital again. So, you know, it was that probably, I was probably in a pretty dark space again there for a few years, I would say. Until one day I just said that is, I'm not taking any more drugs from the neurosurgeon. Um, I'm not taking anything. I said, give me my brain, give me my head and let me take ownership of the pain. The best thing I've actually ever done, and I've even done more of that during COVID, was I worked with a, um, a rebirthing coach and it's through meditation and breath work. And I think I've been learning to do this in little bits and pieces over the years, but never to this extent. And what it does, it brings you right back in. So it's a difference, I guess, between being grounded and being able to really be in and sit with the pain, work through it, like allowing it just to feel it in your body and it disappears. And I can do that now through breath work. And that's the main thing. I wanted to be able to heal myself, you know, on my terms, doing all of this and being able to sit within yourself and comfortably is a really beautiful place to be. Yeah, I'm a big fan of meditation. Are you a sitter or do you lie down? Do you have music on? I do a bit of everything. So I do, um, there's a sound meditation that I do, which I will walk, anything to sort of be out of the mind. So it's allowing some of the other senses to come to play so I can go deep into the sounds around me. So sometimes just walking or sitting in the park um, and just tapping into all the sounds to then be able to come back in. Um, sometimes I lie down and do breath work. Other times, yeah, it, just, it varies. So I've been able to try and learn how to adapt it so that I'm living through meditation. That's, that's, the, that's the old time goal, sort of live through that meditation space rather than just having it be a moment in my day. Yeah. Well, I'm glad it's helped. And I know a lot of people swear by it. I've, I've got to get into the practice a little bit more. I, I'm a bit like you was doing it in bits. And I think it's that consistent practice where you really notice a difference. So yeah, that's my sort of, I think an early new year's resolution for me. Um, so Mel, for people that don't know, you run the, oh, you're the, creator of the seven C strategy. So that is candidness, clarity, construct, creative thinking, communicate, consistency, and celebrate. And I love the last one because as you say, yeah. we don't, yeah, yeah. We don't <laughs> cheer and celebrate ourselves. And I think that's what keeps you going. If you, you've been in the business 22 years, if you're going to do it for that long, you need to be able to celebrate and give yourself a pat on the back. Was there any reason for C's? I guess... I was trying to think of ways to make it fun for creatives because if I don't keep things entertaining in my own mind, uh, the amount of times that you just 
people that know me well enough would go, I'm bored. <laughs> like I know that I have to keep things elevated and, and, and energetic. And, you know, I was trying to think of different, how would I break down the education? And to be honest with you, it just came to me. I'm very lucky in the sense that when I need something, if I can sit and not force it, the right things come. Um, yeah, and it just, I was sitting there and I was just looking at it and I was piecing it out and all of a sudden it was literally like, zoom, and my hand started writing and the next thing you know, there it was. I was like, okay, okay I guess it's the seven C's. <laughs> I love that. I was, um, so at the beginning of the year, I was writing my book and I was about to take it around the world to all the big trade shows. So for beauty, hair, makeup, and the book was on building a strong business foundation for creative. So whether you owned a small salon, uh, um, you're a freelancer, you're working for a brand and you wanted to move or you were freelancing and you wanted to work for a brand just to sort of teach you about yourself, your business structure and then how to move forward. So when COVID, you know, really appeared, I was like, wow, I'm not sending that to the book editor. If people aren't familiar with me on a stage, they're not going to spend the money on the book. So I pulled it and my strategy for 2021 was to do the online course. Um, and so I thought, right, let's get this course done while we're sitting here doing nothing. And so I, what I did in order to do that, I was offering free webinars and coaching to the arts community um, that could be anyone from entertainers to people working you know on set as a gaffer a lighting elex like whoever was a part of the arts group I was offering free education there and it just made me feel good that I was doing something purposeful but it also helped me hone in different parts of the course that needed work that needed more structure or something that maybe I hadn't thought about that really you know people needed so I could add that in worked out how I had all of the content there because it was going to be the book, but how do I structure that to make it an easy way to learn, especially for people who are great at their craft? You know, they're not great at business. They go into business just blindsided by it all. And I'm not talking just creatives. I've got a friend who I interviewed who's a plastic surgeon um, and he started his own business. So the amount of money he wasted starting out um, that could have been placed better because you think you need this and you don't. And, and it's really hard to go somewhere and just look for one set thing, you know, because there's so much out there in business, but to be able to do one course that can give you structure and strategy that you can then spend maybe two to four hours a week on your business and then be going back to do what you're great at is, you know, the goal that I'm trying to help people work towards. Yeah. Because people who are great at their craft, whether you're the best hairdresser, you don't want to be sitting there doing the business. You want to play with hair or play with makeup or, you know, do your beauty with your beautiful clients. And it, you know, it's asking people to get to know themselves and things that I've done for myself over the years to understand why I was always curious as well. That's one of my other favorite C's. Um, but I want to know why. If this is what's happening to me, I need to know why. Because if I understand the why behind something, then you really are able to, to move or change or to grow. But if you don't understand and you're just doing, that the purpose behind that doesn't hold you strong for you know, time to come. So we teach a lot of that. And you know, some of the people are like, oh, this is so hard in the beginning. And I'm like, yeah, it is. Because most people have never asked these questions of themselves. And I'm going to get you to answer them because it's going to help you not just in your business, but in your personal life as well. Yeah. 
I like as well that once a week you have Zoom calls where there's Q&A, so it's not just leaving people to their own devices, read a textbook, yeah. it's I'm here to help you as well, which I love. And yeah, definitely. Well. It's not just for the newbie. So the newbie coming into the industry, but even those established who want to project their business even further can also get value from it. Yeah, you find a lot of people who have just been in business just keep the wheels turning over. It's like, go, 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 go. And you're not actually moving forward at the pace that you thought you would or that you might would like to. But a lot of people don't go back and ask themselves the right questions. And this really sort of sets the tone for understanding you, understanding why you do what you do, getting to understand your own purpose and how your personal purpose and your business purpose will have, you know, common, you know, common relations between the two. And then, you know, for me with the MAGAP, uniting, nurturing, empowering artists. But for me, uniting and nurturing is something that I've always, it's, I love bringing people together and I love helping people because I know the value of when people have helped me, what that's been able to do for me. And yes, you have to do the work, but to have someone guide you in a way that's non-judgmental and open in a really nice space. You, you know, for me now to be at a point where I can provide that for somebody else. And like once I do, every now and then I do like the webinars that are attached to, you know, some trade shows overseas. And I literally probably spend like a day crying, like getting all like the thank you, thank you, thank yous. <laughs> it's, it's emotional because it's just so nice that, you know, you get to do that. And when we first did the Makeup Artist Guild Awards, I think we've done two, we're about to come into our third awards and I normally spend probably a day or two crying after that because, you know, people who've been segregated in an industry now feel part of a community and the fact that you've been able to sort of be an instrumental part in that is, you know, it feels nice. It's nice to know. And I think one of the big things we're working on at the moment due to some issues that have been happening in our industry for a long time. Um, you know, there was some things come to light recently in the SMH. Um, you know, one of them, someone was, you know, charged with sexual um, misconduct. Um, a photographer was charged with sexual assault, I think. Um, so, yeah, starting to work with the Australian Fashion Council and we're looking at bringing other big groups into place and creating, you know, a voluntary code of conduct that everyone will sign and condone and be a part of. And um, to me, you know, to be able to do something where we can make sure that people are looked after is beautiful. So for me, everything comes back to that uniting, nurturing and empowering in some ways so that people feel that their voice is worth hearing. Yeah. And it's taken me a long time to feel that my voice was worth hearing, not just to myself, but with other people as well. You know, I just, I never want to be like, oh, people don't want to hear me. And then when you share something with someone, they're like, that was so helpful. It's like, well, maybe I need to have the confidence to, and that's been sort of growing throughout the years as well. So every crap thing I went through gives you back this inner trust that you got through it. You mentioned before there's been, you know, in SMH, a few things have come out regarding sexual conduct and, where would you like to see the industry headed and what still needs to be improved? 
Well, look, definitely in the stills world, uh, there are a lot of issues going on there with the pays not going up. If anything, I get paid less on a day rate than what I did when I started. So on an ad campaign, I get paid less now than what I did 23 years ago. So you're losing a lot of you know, key players in the industry because people, there's no set standard of rates. Um, you can also be on set and not get fed for six hours. And the model's done, you know, 80 different outfits by that stage. And so, yeah. So for me, having a set of standards in place that look after brands, look after the individual, the models, the creatives, you know, having that set of fairness and standards, I think would be really lovely so that for anyone who doesn't know, you know, what setting a bad standard is, they will then know it's all written there. And if you break that, you'll be called and, you know, there'll be consequences. And I think, you know, I think what we, some people take is common sense or logic. Some people or their ego feels that it's not. And so I don't want to judge people. People are what they are and they do what they do. But if there's a guideline there that helps to encourage people to be respectful of one another, then I think that to me would be a real highlight in my career. And I think it's, it's, it is happening. So it'll be a little bit of work to get, you know, there to make sure that everybody is looked after, but yeah, it'd just be a really nice place to see the industry that I care about so, so much, you know, look after each and every one fairly and equally. What's one piece of advice you wish someone had told you as you were entering the industry? Because I bet it, it's never as you expect. I think especially in the makeup industry, it's very, everything, it's all, people think it's very glamorous, a bit like an actor or actress where it's, the reality is, you know, you just came off a 19 hour day last week at the Arias. Um, what's one piece of advice? There was advice? a few of those back to back. Yeah. I think... One thing that if I do go and teach occasionally, I do mention this to a lot of my students, the person in the chair, if they're not talking to you, it's not because they don't like you. They're about to do something big in their life. And so the energy that they're projecting is nerves. It can be fear. Some people are really calm. That's okay too. But if there is a weird energy, it's because that person, it doesn't matter at what level they are. I've worked with you know, massive VPs of massive global corporations. I've worked with politicians. I've worked with singers. I've worked with actors. Everybody has their own insecurity. And so what they're projecting here is not because they don't like you. And this goes in life as well. Something's going on for them. So if you can learn to check or know what your own ego is, and I, mine used to be, I need to be liked. I really did like on so many different levels that, you know, <laughs> looking back, I'm like, oh, that hurts. Um, but if you can learn to know what that feeling is and how that feels for you, it might be the twist in your stomach or it might be the, you know, and you're holding your breath, whatever that is, if you can breathe through it, leave that at the door. And rather than thinking that person doesn't like me or they're not talking to me, oh, it's not about you. What about if all you had to do in that moment is remember this person's going through something and they're about to perform. And by doing that, you're creating this beautiful space where your day is going to be a hell of a lot easier as well. And you learn how to read people, whether, you know, great straight away, some people come in for a hug, maybe not during COVID, but generally, or they put their hand out like this and they want to shake your hand, read that, understand, 
So, you know, if someone who likes to be touched, I'll put my hand on my back while I'm having a conversation about their makeup. And you see their body language go, ah. Oh. And I'm a touchy person. So if someone does that to me and puts their hand on my back, I'm like, oh, okay, great. But for someone who hates being touched or hates being hugged, that's very, very confronting. That's great. So, you, you know, it's not about you in that moment. You're there to make their life easier. Oh, I love that. That's such yeah. a life lesson as well because reading people is such a skill. Um, and yeah. I, I love that. It's not you. It's just, you know, read the room. What's next for Mel? as well what have people who are following you got to look forward to and what are you most excited about uh coming up in the future yeah look the seven seas is really starting to go places and i'm really looking forward to educating people and you know building on that platform of education and, and growing that as well um yeah, it's been a really special thing to be able to do this year. Yeah, the podcast will go into season two for Brilliant Brains and Beautiful Minds. We'll go into season two next year. Um, there is, the way I saw that originally was a little bit different, obviously, you know, during COVID as to having how I originally saw it. So who knows with the world going back to normal a little bit in Australia, it could be nice to see if I could bring the original vision to life, which would be a little bit more you know, a little bit more magic in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I won't say too much. And then, um, yeah. So like, I'm really hoping that I can start sharing my education globally Look, with the online stuff it is already, but you know, to be able to have a physical presence around the world and that would be for me, I don't feel like I necessarily want to, Australia will always be my home, but I would like to be in a place where I just, be a little bit more of a, you know, I guess a nomad, so to speak, and just being able to have a presence where I feel that I might be needed at that time and experience different culture and see how I can share what I know on different levels. Well, Mel, I'm wishing you all the best for the year ahead. Thank you so much for your time today and sharing your journey. Thank you. Thanks, Karis. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoyed that episode with Melanie. Big thanks to her for coming on and sharing her story. If you liked the episode, make sure you show it some love, give it a subscribe or leave a comment or you can rate and review it on your favourite podcast platform. We'll see you next week.